Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for your blessings upon your people. Thank you for your plans and purposes for this day. Thank you, God, for ensuring that we have all that we need for this day. God, we ask that you would touch these mortal bodies, make them whole, complete, and lacking absolutely nothing. We bind everything that would interfere with the function of our worship. We bind every pain, every discomfort. In the name of Jesus, we come against every spirit that would cause our minds to wander. And we bind it in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we loose in this place the joy of the Lord. True worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth. So God, we ask now, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. What a mighty God we serve. If you have your Bibles this morning, for the last two weeks, I've talked to you about your first fight. Now, you haven't really had it yet, but I'm going to move away from that. And I'll come back to it in a couple of weeks. You'll, you'll see why we're doing this. But today, I want to take you to the same part of the scripture we were in last week, Exodus 17. I just want to do a couple of verses. Uh, verses, let's begin in verse 11. It says, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let, it, let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hand became heavy, so that they took the stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, and Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and uh, one on the other. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So verse 13 says, so Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, if you will, turn to the book of Romans for just a moment, and I'll show you how this ties in. <coughs> Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Verse 26 says this. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows the mind of the spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Amen? So I want to talk to you on this thought this morning. Intercession, the power of partnership in prayer. Intercession is the what? The power of partnership in prayer. Amen. One more time. Intercession is the You can be seated. Now let me tell you why that's so important. Because Moses saw this firsthand. If you remember in Exodus chapter 17, the Bible tells us that 
as Moses watched the battle unfold from the hillside, what Moses saw was that uh, it looked like that as long as he was praying to God with the staff raised, that as long as that went on, the Bible says that everything was okay. As a matter of fact, the battle was going so well. The battle was going so well that he put the staff down. And then something happened. When he put it down, he noticed that Amalek started to win. Amen. So Moses lifted the staff again, but this time he lifted higher because he realized uh, when I am not talking to God, uh, I'm not winning. <laughs> Can I try that one more time? <laughs> See, when you're not talking to God, you're not winning. Amen. So uh, Moses understood this as he was watching this unfold in real time. And he understood something that was happening, which is what we understand from the book of Romans that we read to you in your hearing, is that uh, you have to have a connection with God in order to have the power to prevail. Now, watch this now. Here's what happens to us. When it looks like we're winning, we stop praying. Oh, come on now. You know, you've been asking God for that new car. You pray. You believe in God that everything's going to work in your favor. So you go to the bank and they approve you for the loan. And then you stop praying. So you get the car. Then you lose your job. You follow what I'm saying? Because once we get to that point where we believe that God has heard us, we stop praying. The reason that you have unanswered prayer is because when you get to the point that you think that God has heard you, you just shut up. Amen. We don't, we don't thank him. We don't praise him. We just say, oh, I got it now. As a matter of fact, we even sometimes build a monument to answer prayer. And in the process of building that monument, we find that we become idol worshipers. Because we think God heard us and we're special. So the Bible goes on to teach us that uh, Moses found out that the connection was that what happens in the valley depends on the mountaintop. Moses is not praying on the mountaintop. And Joshua is not winning in the valley. According to Matthew 16 and 19, the Bible says, uh, He's the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you find on earth will be found. Are you understanding this? There's a principle here. And the Bible says that if you are not willing to do what's necessary in heaven to get what you need on earth, then it doesn't happen. See, again, we have the power, but we don't exercise it. We just come to a point, and you know, this is the way it is with church. We, we go just so far. And then we stop. Amen. So the same principle holds true in our own spiritual warfare. Now, we're talking about the first fight. And I said to you last week, the first fight that you have is with you. And here's what happens. The Bible says that uh, once we understand that we are, quote, born again, we have to maintain that connection to stay born again. I know y'all don't believe that. Because somebody told you, you know, once saved, always saved. You don't have to worry about it. And you took that literally and you started acting just like a fool. A fool being a person who don't know God. Okay. But I want to tell you that every battle, it doesn't matter what battle it is, whether it's on, on the 
the, uh, the, the street against the, the world's enemies or an internal fight that's going on, you are not going to win if you don't call in some heavy artillery. And heavy artillery is prayer. You're going to have to bombard that problem with prayer or you will not be successful. Now, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, you all know the scripture. In verse 11, the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So the Bible says you have to dress up. You have to armor up for the, 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 the tricks of the devil, the tricks of the devil, the tricks of the devil. Amen. You know, the devil does not slap you physically. He insults you spiritually. Verse 18 says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Praying how often? And you see, the moment you stop praying, the moment you stop talking to God, the moment that there is no connection with heaven, you're not going to have to have the power to prevail. And again, uh, for whatever reason, we think it's okay to be lax in prayer. You know what a chore it is for folk to come out and pray? I'm getting personal now. I need to shut up. I'm, I'm supposed to stay on task today. But you know how hard it is for folk to do what they're supposed to do. Now, you notice that in order for you to survive naturally, you must take in sustenance. Not many of us forget to eat. Amen. Not, not many. But you know that that food is necessary for your strength and vitality. Keeps you not only sharp physically, but mentally. But yet, you can separate yourself from God for a season and expect to remain strong. There's something, as folks say, wrong with that picture. Amen? So believe in God on behalf of another is what we call intercession. Now, intercession in the Greek, let's look at the Hebrew first because it's easier. Paga, P-A-G-A. Now, in the Greek, it's huperentango. It simply means this. <laughs> Said, you don't have to say all that. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Now, y'all always want to know what these Greek words are. I don't know. I'm going to tell you something. It makes no difference whether you know what that word means or not. You know what the word intercession means, right? Okay. But you want to be smart because you're going to wow your friends. <laughs> so. <laughs> So intercession, then, is believing God on behalf of another who's who's, who needs his intervention. In other words, when you are standing in the gap for someone, and the someone sometimes is you. Amen. Amen. So a simple understanding of what prayer is, is put this in your own words. Prayer is a divine in us appealing to the divine above. Are y'all understanding this? So when I pray, it is the God in me appealing to the God above. When I intercede, it means that there is something between me and God. And I have to, listen, I have to be able to stand against the thing that is opposing my relationship to God. So that's why Paul says sometimes, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, but I just want to, want to hit you with this. Paul says sometimes I get weak. And because I'm weak, I need to stand against my weakness so that I can be strong enough to appeal to God. And get what I need from God. 
Because the Bible says now, and I'll get to this again in Romans, that sometimes I don't know what I need to pray for. See, you, you think you know, but you don't know. And sometimes you have to have the Holy Spirit, and I'll get to that, to tell you what you need to pray for. Amen? You going to tell us that, Pastor? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you that. So intercession is the highest form of prayer and the most effective ministry that we can exercise for another's benefit. In other words, to be able to stand in the gap for someone else is the highest form of service to God. In 2 Timothy, 2 Tim, uh, excuse me, 1 Timothy chapter 2, the Bible says in verse 1, Therefore I exhort, first of all, supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All men. Okay? The Bible also says, uh, this is the way that you uh, receive the will of God. You will not know what the will of God is for your life unless you connect with the God who gave you the will. Hmm? So somebody says, well, uh, how, how do I know I need to pray for uh, a certain job? Well, then you, you don't know most of the time because you want to do what you think you want to do. But the Bible says that it is the spirit that makes intercession. Oh, okay. We'll, 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 uh, all right. Let's keep talking about intercession here because I want to make sure you get an understanding of this. So the Bible says this then. Uh, the word intercession comes from the Latin word intercedo, which means to come between or to obstruct. It means to impose oneself on behalf of another. In other words, uh, when, when someone is sick and they can't pray, we stand in between that person who can't pray and the God who can heal. Are y'all understanding this? So the Bible says then that that word means... Uh, to stand for or to stand with. Now, stand for or to stand with. That means, now, and, I, and I want you to get this in your spirit. If intercession means to stand for or to stand with, it means you're involved. Let's try that one more time. If you're standing for or standing with, it means you are involved. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the most common forms of intercessory prayer is the prayer that we pray for our children. We stand, listen, come on now, we stand between heaven and earth so that our children can reach a place where they can stand for themselves in front of a heavenly God. We, if we don't intercede for them, they never get to have a connection with God. Now that's the, oh, help me. I'm coming back. <laughs> that is the reason that we have so many people today who are churchless. This is why we have generations of people that don't know God. Because if your parents didn't know God, hmm? you know the old saying, right? If you didn't have any children, it's a pretty good chance you, you know, your children won't have any either. Must have been a little yeast in that when it had to ride. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Help us, Holy Spirit. <laughs> so the Bible says that there are two main aspects of intercession. Number one, to, in to intercede is to plead with God. Somebody said, I, I don't think you should plead with God. Yes, you do. Big, cry, whatever you have to do. Huh? You ever, ever seen a child want something from you? 
<laughs> and number two, you have to stand with the other person against evil. So sometimes it's the devil that's coming against our family or coming against us. And we have to stand between the devil and us and talk to God because we have that connection with God. And we have to make sure that the devil can't get to us or to the person that you're praying for. If the person is going through something, maybe they can't crowd. Maybe they can't fight. So now you got to fight for them. You got to stand in and you got to keep prevailing and pleading your case before God. The Bible says this, that in first John, he says that we have an advocate with the father. You know what an advocate is? It's a lawyer that pleads your case. So we have that lawyer in Jesus who stands in proxy for us and pleads our case. The Bible says that even though God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that we were saved because of Christ's sacrifice, but we remain in the blessings of God because Jesus not only died for our sins, but he now advocates for our salvation so that we are whole and complete. So it's not a one shot deal. Galatians chapter two, uh, six, verse two says this. It says that we are to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It is a requirement if you are saved that you must cover your brethren. Now, I know that this would never happen with day spring folk because I know y'all y'all love everybody. But you know that there's some people who will actually get mad with you about something and stop praying for you. Oh, they don't tell you that. You know what a prayer sounds like when you're mad with somebody? <laughs> I ain't going there because... Some of y'all might know how to do it. And that, that, that would break my heart. <laughs> so to intercede in prayer <laughs> and in the authority of Christ is the highest privilege a Christian can have. In other words, if you are an intercessor on behalf of another brother or sister, that is the highest calling in Christ. Y'all understand that? So the Bible says this, uh, this is the way that we can express our deep concern for others' well-being. It is, the Bible says, the constructive answer to our involvement with others. You know what constructive involvement is. You know when we talk about constructive criticism. <laughs> I don't know what that is. But constructive means it advances or it improves. So when I pray for someone, I'm advancing their position in life. I'm improving their condition. I'm letting them know that I have their best interests at heart. Amen? But what happens? Here's the question. What happens when we do not pray? I'm talking to y'all now. What happens when we don't pray? Now, Moses figured out when you don't pray, you lose. Come on, let's tell your neighbor that. Say, when you don't pray, you lose. Uh-huh. What do I lose? Everything. Amen. We start losing the battle. Now, notice something here. In Ephesians chapter uh, 6, the Bible says that we put on the whole armor of God. Now, watch this. You can be dressed in full battle array and not pray, and you will still not have the victory. Wait a minute. That can't be right. No. Mm -mm. If you don't ask God to save you, you will not be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I'm telling you right now, the devil does not care that you dressed up. He knows you won't fight. Amen. That's what some of us look like. We got the whole armor of God. And yet, all you got to do is insult her and you saw her crying. 
crying on the inside, rusting the armor. Now you can't move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, so the Bible says that you won't be able to stand against the devil. Instead, you will be led away from the truth into error. And see, this is how the devil gets you. The devil doesn't worry about knocking you down. He just wants you to turn around. So he will lead you into error. And then he will give, uh, get you to give in to temptation. If he can lead you in the error and be, let you be tempted by the wrong thing, he don't have to whip you. And his most famous trick, his most famous, in case you all didn't know, his most famous trick, the one that he gets everybody with every now and then is doubt and discouragement. Hmm? Doubt and discouragement. The moment you start to not believe, you have trouble. And the moment you don't believe, you're discouraged. Devil doesn't have to beat you anymore. He goes on to your neighbor now because he knows you're going to be rolling right on down the hill and there's no way to stop you. Because you start with so-and-so said so-and-so to me. I'm upset. I don't like. I don't like none of them people. I don't like church. God don't care nothing about me. Now, this is not, in, not just for an individual, but it's also true for the church. If we don't ask God to defend us, then our members will be divided. Our leaders will fall into sin and our ministers will fail to produce any fruit. You hear what I said? So we're just going through the motions. The Bible says the lost will not hear the gospel and be saved. See, there's so much that happens when you stop praying. Come on, man of God, woman of God. All of this is on your shoulders. So both individually and corporately, the neglect of prayer means the loss of spiritual warfare. Even if we fight like Joshua, we won't win the battle unless we pray like Moses. See, it shouldn't take you but one battle to figure out that when I stop praying, when I stop holding up the staff, the banner of God, that my life goes south. Once I figure that out, I need to, okay, all right, this ain't going to happen to me again. Come on, how many times does it have to take for you to, for you to, for you to say, this is not going to happen to me again? Come on, can I tell you something? See, it didn't happen. Look, I don't know about y'all, but when, here, here's what broke me. It's called, you broke me. Broke, broke. That's what, I didn't have to be broke, but. How many times? I said, hold on here. <laughs> this don't feel good. <laughs> this don't look good. This ain't good. Now you think about, oh, now, can I just talk for a moment? How much time? Yeah, I got a minute. So, 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 so when, when you find out that you broke. See, I'm talking to something you can handle naturally. Money, you know, huh? Mammon, filthy lucre, whatever y'all want to call it. <laughs> the moment that you find out you don't like being broke, the first thing you do is start stealing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, y'all thought you knew the answer. Hi, I pray and seek the Lord. No, the first thing you do is you start stealing. You start spending God's money. Because you think the only reason you broke is because God's got your money. Well, I don't see why I need to give him 10%. I'm going to give him 2% and we'll work on the rest of it.
Now listen, listen, listen. You start stealing God's money. And instead of you getting out of debt, instead of you learning how not to be broke, you end up being broker. Amen. You go to the ATM, your balance says minus. And the reason for that is God's trying to get your attention. Now, listen to me. It doesn't take a Ph.D. for you to figure out that if God's got all the money. And he's my daddy. Then if I ask him for some of his money, he'll give it to me. I mean, that realization came to me. And I said, all right, God, I need some money. He said, give me some. I said, no, God, you didn't hear me right. I said, I need some money. He said, give me some. I no, no, no. Maybe I'm not saying it right. I'm broke. I need some help. And then I got a hold of this teaching. I began to understand that I needed to have a covenant with God. He ain't my daddy. If I'm not connected to him, if I'm not connected to him, he's not obligated to give me anything. I'm just some old joker on the street. So he said, OK, now here's what you need. You need a covenant with me. Uh, 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 a covenant. What's that mean? He said, well, here's what you got to do. He said, you know how I managed to let you live all these years? Huh? Work and make money. Huh? How I let you have health and strength. How you be clothed in your right mind. He, he said, all I want you to do is start sowing some of that back to me. And, and, and he said, now, here's what he said. He said, the more you give me, the more I can give you. See, it's like when you go to the bank, they got all the money. You got no money. If you want money from them, you got to first give them some money. Huh? Okay, I put it in language y'all can understand. When you want money from somebody, the first thing they say is, how much you got in the deal? Hmm? So, I started studying scriptures. I studied every scripture about giving. Now, some of you all are the beneficiary of all this because for two years in ministry, all I taught about was money. I taught money on every sermon. I don't care if we were talking about crucifixion on the cross. I talked about money. If we talked about how uh, we were doing spiritual warfare, I talked about money. If we, if we talked about love, I talked about money. I don't care what it was, marriage and money. I don't care. Funeral, money. I don't care. We talked about money because because here's what I learned. I learned that Jesus talked more about money than he did any other subject. He talked about giving and the principles of giving more than he did anything else. When Paul started to write about money, he understood the principle. And one of the things that I understood was just this one simple scripture. It says whatsoever a man that. That's all I needed. Right. The that. And it was the that that got me out of debt. It was the debt. Whatsoever a man sold, that. So I said, wait a minute. So you're saying that if I sold money, that is what I'll read? Huh? And then they talked me about the principle of farming. If you take a seed of corn and you put it in the ground, the Bible says you get a stalk with ears and that, that, that one seed is multiplied hundreds of times on that one stalk. Amen. 
And then I saw this one scripture that just blew my mind. In Hebrews, it said that the greater, uh, the, the lesser is blessed by the greater. And from that point on, I realized something, that if I put it out there, huh, it starts to come back. Huh? Pressed down. Shaken together. And what? Running over. So now if you choose to be broke, you can't come to me and tell me I need some money. I'm going to say, give me some money. <laughs> Don't know why we got on the money subject. Y'all did that. But that's because I love talking about money. And I like talking about money because, can I tell you why? It's not that I'm in love with money. I'm in love with the principles that deal with money. And the principles are that, you know, I was talking to a guy yesterday. He was talking about uh, 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 having X number of dollars and what he would do with the money and this, that, and the other. And I said, hold on, hold on. Because he was talking about, uh, he, he's worldly, so I'm, I'm just, he was telling me about, you know, if, if he won the lottery. Y'all don't know anything about that. I know because ain't nobody hit last night, so. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, but he said, uh, if I just had, and he, I think it was 20 or 30 million or something, I said, well, what if you just had one? Just one. And he said, one? I said, you know what? I said, 10% of a million is 100,000. I said, if you're willing to invest a million, God will give you 100000 back every year. I said, you know what's good about God? You could invest that million dollars in the kingdom. I said, and he'll give you, watch this, $100,000 a year, and you still get to keep your million. I mean, that's, that's just plain old economics, right? That, Average interest rate on investments now, long-term investments, somewhere between 10 and 12 percent. So if you had a million dollars and you invested, you get back each year $100,000. And you still have, and his eyes got big. Hmm? Now, you, so if you invest 10 percent of your income, here we go again. <laughs> into a business that gives you back I don't know uh, last time I was in the hospital I was there five days the bill I got was $180,000 y'all know what I'm trying to say on my little 10% investment I had a $180,000 return because I didn't have to pay anything. Y'all still ain't figured it out, have you? And that was 2008. Wonder what that would cost today. Huh? Heaven forbid you don't come out of there. That's a whole nother ball game. Okay, y'all, come on now. I got to finish this. I got seven minutes. This is not going to work. Okay, here's a myth. And as I, let, me, let me talk about the myth first because that's just so important. We believe that if we only pray long enough, hard enough, or often enough, then God will do what we want him to do. Wrong. See, because now you're trying to figure out which prayer moves God. Y'all, you no, y'all don't figure. 
Come on, y'all don't pray like that, right? You have a prayer that you know always works. Huh? Here's, listen, okay, here's what we want to teach you. It's not the power of prayer itself. It's the power of God that you pray to. The power is not in prayer, it's but the God of that prayer. Do, do we understand that? And the Bible says that uh, in prayer, we can acknowledge our absolute dependence on God to conquer the enemies of our faith. If there's something that's hindered, that you're being hindered in, the proper prayer will get you relief from that thing. Amen? Now, now, now I got to do this real fast. Mark 11, 22, they already have it up there. I think they do. Here's what it said. Jesus said this. He says, uh, have faith in God. Have faith in God. Faith in God is faith given by God to us to reach God. Have faith in God, have the God kind of faith. He says that the faith that God has placed in me must connect with God himself. Faith must have an object and the object must be God. If I believe God, if I believe what God says, then I should be able to receive what God says. And if I can receive what God says, according to the Bible, that means that everything that is in my way, I have the power to move. That's what he said in Mark 11. If I speak to this mountain, debt, sickness, relationship, if I speak to it, if I connect with the God of heaven, with the God that's in me, then I should be able to move that situation, whatever it is. And if I move that situation, I should be able to be victorious in the situation. Amen. That's why the Bible says in Romans, I ain't got there yet, but he says this, that we are more than conquerors. Now, now here's the situation. If, if I believe what God says, then I pray to the God that I believe in until God responds to me. Huh? And how does he do that? Now we'll get to Romans 8. Just barely made it. <laughs> and that's what we told you in the reading of Romans chapter 8. It says, likewise, the spirit is the Holy Spirit helps in our weaknesses. If I'm sick or I'm broke or whatever my situation is. The Bible says if I can't overcome it, it's a weakness for me. And I need to be able to get past that weakness. So the spirit of God knows what I need in order to overcome. But the spirit of God, the Bible says, is making intercession on my behalf. Now, I don't know what to pray. And sometimes all I can do is just groan. Now, this is what people say is speaking in tongues. This ain't, that ain't speaking. This ain't, uh, all right. This ain't nothing. This, ain't, this has nothing to do with speaking in tongues. <laughs> I, can't, I forget sometimes it's, it's not, it ain't just us chickens. Somebody might say that boy's literate. Yeah. No. <laughs> But when I am under intense pressure, the Bible says then that I groan. Or sometimes all you do is, you know, you just lay in the bed and cry, oh, Lord, Lord, I need you to help me. That, that's a hint. Uh, <laughs> you start to feel the pressure of what you're dealing with. And you don't know what to say. Now, remember I said earlier in the message, you don't know how, what to pray for because you don't know what the will of God is. If you're mad with somebody, how do you pray for them? Amen. 
Because you don't want to say what you really feel. So it ain't about feeling. And you don't want to vocalize something that you know is wrong. And sometimes all you can say, oh, Lord, I need you. Help me, Lord, help me. Because you don't want to say the wrong thing. The Bible says that he intercedes on our behalf. Here's what this means when the Bible says with groans that cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what the will of God is for you. He knows what the will of God is for you. Now watch this because it gets tricky right here. That means that the Holy Spirit has always, from the day you were saved, led you into all truth. And as long as you followed the Holy Spirit, he knew what the path was. That's why if you look at Ephesians, he talks about uh, election and predestination. Oh, we'll get to that. Not, not today. All right. But the Bible said that you are predestined for a predetermined purpose. The Holy Spirit knows what that is and knows what you need to get from point A to point B. So he makes intercession to God for you without you saying some stuff that's going to get you in trouble. Boy, I tell you, that's powerful preaching right there. Huh? Because 90 percent of us get in trouble with what we say. Huh? You keep talking. And the more you talk, the more trouble you get yourself into. Because now your feelings are coming out. Huh? See, because now remember what we said earlier, this is our partnership in prayer. And that's where we get power. When God listens to the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit knows exactly what we need. The Holy Spirit appeals. Watch this. He appeals to our advocate, who is Jesus. And he tells Jesus, my client might have done this, but he is not guilty. How can you say that? Because, Your Honor, you said that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. See, now our advocate says that the blood of Jesus has washed away his sins. So listen, uh, uh, Jesus, you go tell your daddy <laughs> that my client is not guilty. The Holy Spirit does that. You can't do that. You will de declare yourself innocent every time. You know you will. Well, I, I didn't mean to. First John chapter two, verse one says this, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Amen. So then the Bible says that at times uh, of our weakness, uh, it, it becomes so intense that we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the spirit himself intercedes for us uh, with groans that words can express. Now. Uh, and I'm going to have to skip down because I'm out of time, but. There's a word here, the Bible says here in chapter eight and verse. Uh, here it is right here. Uh, 26, it says, likewise, also, uh, the spirit also helps. And that's the word I'm looking for, helps. He helps us. We don't quite understand that helping part when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Uh, <laughs> the word is san ante lambano. You don't need to worry about it. What it means, what it means, it helps and takes hold. So when the Bible says that the spirit also helps, 
It means it is though two men were carrying a log. Neither of them could carry it alone. But each one has to depend on the other. He says the spirit helps by empowering us along with God to carry this burden. Uh, A.T. Robinson says this, the Holy Spirit lays hold of our weakness along with us and carries his part of the burden. Which means that whatever I'm going through, he's in it with me. Huh? Think of all the songs that the folks used to sing back in the day. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. And see, I know whatever I'm going through, I know he's in it too. I might not know how to get out of it, but I know he does. So I know that he is making intercession for me. So See, sometimes when we think we're getting help, it ain't real help. See, folks will leave you when things get too tough. Hmm? But when people have a spiritual connection, they can't leave. It's like what we said earlier. It's a covenant. I can't break covenant with you because you're acting foolish. I have to continue to pray and pray, continue to pray for you, even though you're acting foolish. Amen. Amen. So it's just like the Holy Spirit. I'm there to help you. To stand with you and for you. See, you know what? If you're weak and the devil's really beating you up, I'm going to take those blows for you. Hmm? One of the things I used to have to do uh, a lot of is give death notifications. Y'all know what I'm talking about? I used to have to go to people's house and tell them that their son or daughter, brother, sister, husband were dead. And the one thing that we learned very early is that uh, you have to, to take the beating, I guess is what I'm saying. Because they're going to hit, hit and fight and But you take it because you understand that they're the ones that's hurt. See, as saints, we have to understand that. Sometimes when people are hurting, we have to take the blows until they get delivered. Amen? So stand on your feet. I'm going to. See if I can close this thing out.